0: Well, and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 375. I'm your host, Joshua Blum. Today, welcome back my brother, Jeremy, as we talk about the 1985 movie, Lady Hawk in our series of 80s fantasy movies. We've done quite a few at this point, and this one is certainly no exception. It's uh, one that we had both seen, actually, quite a long time ago, but not seen for a long time. And so we discussed that during the show. We recorded this a number of weeks ago, but uh, I was waiting until I had finished reading the, uh, the little 80s novella that we had been, um, been doing here on the show, uh, Dragonfall uh, from 1984. Similar vintage, I guess you could say. Uh, I guess it would sort of fit in in, in a way with uh, Lady Hawk. Though that one, it's, has, it's a fantasy story, it's set in a modern era, it has dragons in it. Uh, interestingly enough, and we talk about this during the episode the fantasy elements in um, in lady Hawk are they're there it's it kind of plays out like a fantasy in that there's shape-shifting and the two main characters turn into animals but uh, you don't see um, you don't I mean there's curse there's talk about curses and stuff like that but you don't really get a sense as they're magic or other kinds of creatures that can do other things like dragons and I don't know goblins and you know the stuff that's typically associated with at least Western fantasy, you don't really get a sense that. It often plays off like a historical period piece with some fantasy element, uh, supernatural kind of elements, paranormal, I guess you could say, whatever that is. So yeah, we talk about that during the episode. Speaking of which, I think I put a post to this on social media, but I'm thinking about other books to actually read on the podcast. Uh, the ones that I've read before seem to do best. Well, I have not read anything that's truly long, meaning like, uh, 300, 400 pages. Not that you say you can't do it. Uh, I was, I was holding a copy of the never ending story, which is like, depends on the version you get, uh, 400 ish pages, probably 300, 400, um, I think. And, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, that would take, that would take a while. It's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but I, I have a bunch of ones that I was thinking about doing and that also may be fun to do. Some are movie adaptations. Some of them are not. They're all kind of of the same period of time. So, uh, I, uh, I'm kind of picturing, uh, you know, kind of going through those thinking what, what, what may be fun to read next. It's kind of a good excuse to do it on this particular show because it is a, uh if I just leave it to my own devices with all the other things going on, I might not necessarily get to it. But here on the show I can I can do it. I can do it in small little bites and uh it's kind of like um a uh well it's yeah, it's an excuse to do it. Now speaking of which, there is an interesting thing I I, I discovered at some point, but many of these books uh are out of print. So, um it, you can sometimes find unofficial audiobooks if you just go onto YouTube and you'll f- you'll find people reading books. Some of them are famous books, uh some of them are not. For the ones that are older, you can often find those on the internet. Uh people often will read them and uh often they're quite professionally done. For the ones that are newer, I don't know Harry Potter and those kind of things like that, if you're going on a long trip and stuff like that, You might actually, and you have internet access, you might actually be able to listen to something like that, even if you can't get the official audiobook. So, for example, like uh, we have a thing through our library where we can borrow books, including audiobooks, but that one may be out for rent. and uh, Or maybe you can't find it, maybe the library doesn't have it. You might be able to actually find it on YouTube, somebody reading it. Now, for a lot of these older books that are more obscure, like pretty much most of the ones I was looking at are, maybe with the exception of The NeverEnding Story, more obscure or... They're probably not going to be in audiobook format, format or in someone reading them. Uh, so if you can, if you do happen to have them in Kindle format, and that is an exception, for, or that, that is a possibility for a, a select few that are actually in the form of a Kindle uh, ebook, but they're not actually audiobooks that you can find. So again, it's probably going to eliminate most of the movie adaptations and things like that. You can actually have the Alexa app read it to you, and uh, Alexa is is the Amazon shopping kind of thing, but uh, you can actually download the app, which is free, and you can actually read the book through the Alexa app. Now, it'll be in a computer voice. I'm not sure if there's a way to alter that to two different voices, but it will be read to you, and uh, that will work for pretty much any Kindle book. Now, you may even be able to do it for a PDF or something else. That I'm not sure if you how easily it is to do. You might be able to do it a little bit more easily uh, with some tinkering around. I suspect I don't I haven't tried this myself, but it might be easier to do on an Android kind of platform than uh, the Apple operating system, but. That is a neat little kind of thing to do, um, basically uh, to to have unofficial audiobooks read to you. And if you're a person that likes to, that does better with certain things read to you rather than reading them yourself, and you can't actually find the audiobook, that can totally be the case. There's a number of fantasy books that I have not been able to get through myself just by reading them, but uh, I listen to them fine just fine. And uh, if you can't find the actual official audiobook, you might be able to find the Kindle version much more easily. So I remember specifically ones like, I think I listened to Dune that way, which I still don't understand. I, mean, I think I tried to read that as a kid, had no luck. I think I listened to like the Dragon Riders of Pern series, and uh, which I also found difficult to get into. Um, the Wizard, what is it called? The Wizard of Ursi ones that one I actually found I think in the library uh at least the first one. So but anyway those those are ones that are they're just older but they're just they're they are very they're all good they're all much more established but uh you know it may not be as e- easy to find them sort of up to date so but you can find them definitely as ebooks. So that's a kind of little fun thing. Anyway if you have any particular preferences or things like that Obviously, just let me know, uh, leave a comment somewhere on social media or you may email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. Or if you're on the Patreon, send me a message over there. Right, let's get over to the conversation about Lady Hawk. I'll talk to you guys soon. Jeremy, hello, hello. again to the 13th Hour Podcast. Uh, once again,
1: my favorite podcast on this on, on this earth. No, thank you. The only place where we can talk about movies that are consistently sixes out of tens.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of which, we're here to talk about the 1985 movie Lady Hawk, spelled with an with an E at the end. Lady Hawkey. H A W K E for some reason. I don't know why. But um yeah, this is a movie that uh we we saw this as kids. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember this? I don't remember watching it at all. like yeah.
1: This was a totally new experience for me.
0: Okay. I feel like mom brought it home from the library. Oh, I, I remember the VHS. I remember yeah. the VHS cover. I don't remember yeah. actually watching it. Yeah. We watched it and you were probably pretty young at the time. I think I only saw it once. I, was, I remember being a little bit, I, I both liked the instrumental score and also thought it was a little weird uh, for the, the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. uh but you know it's an 80s movie so it, it's kind of fits in a way and i remember the uh the main character the rector howard character who had a double crossbow mm-hmm. yeah
1: um, that's, I, that's I, I, sort of I, what i
0: remember and i probably was like 12 or something like that
1: yeah i do not remember anything i think i so i heard about this movie um not from any memories but i heard about it because there is a singer named lady hawk a musician a new zealand pop artist just took who took her name from this movie oh. um and i heard this is a very specific memory i heard one of her songs she has a single that came out in i think the late 2000s maybe the early 2010s called paris is burning it's it's a it's a cool pop track it sounds very 80s her her um her her music all kind of channels that synth vibe popular during the 1980s, and I heard it when I was shopping in an outlet with the girl I was dating at the time in college. Uh-huh. Um, they're playing this song, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's a that's a cool song," and. Back, This was before like you had apps on your phone that could, you could hold it up and it would tell you what a song was. Yeah, I, re- I listened carefully. I remembered lyrics from the song and I went home and Googled mm-hmm. it. And it was like, oh, it's this song, Paris is Burning uh, by Lady Hawk. And I was just reading about her and they said that she took her name from Richard Donner's movie Lady Hawk. And so that's how I rediscovered this film. I never watched it, though. I just I quickly read an article. I was like, oh, OK, it's like some fantasy film with Matthew Broderick and from mm-hmm. from 1985. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this
1: is my first time watching it.
0: Oh, this was your first time. Ever, like, well, I guess you saw it yeah. when you but I, mean, I saw
1: it when I was a kid. I don't remember. things think it's my yeah. first time watching it. Yeah. And, and I'll say that I, I liked it a lot less than I was kind of hoping I would. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I kind of was hoping that I would like it more, but. <sighs> i don't know if i really like this movie Josh. It's, it's I'm, a, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit sad to say i think i might have enjoyed this the least of all the movies we've watched so far really okay yeah
0: even even more yeah. so than uh i, I mean it's know, it's there it's,
1: with like mazes and monsters i didn't really like mazes and monsters yeah what's um, yeah
0: okay all right well um yeah it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's
1: around that level for me yeah
0: okay it's a slow movie I think it's, it, it
1: put me to. It was putting me to sleep. I I finished watching it earlier today during the afternoon. I was so tired because I hadn't really had any caffeine today. Yeah, and I was I was just <laughs> falling asleep in my chair.
0: Well, there you go, um, people. If you need, if you are an, if you have, oh totally my God. Gone, <laughs> Lady Hawk pace is so yeah, slow. Slow. Yeah, it's <sighs> it's. Uh, I think it probably could have used a little editing because I remember watching it and looking at the time uh timestamp where it was i was like dang there's an hour left of this and uh, i was like what exactly is going to happen in an hour i already feel like you know the some of the other ones we've we've watched the pace moves a lot quicker they they struggled to get to like 90 minutes and so i feel like there's there's definitely stuff that could have been cut out it has a lot of that slow burn 70s sort of stuff where there's like random shots and nothing is happening
1: yeah i think yeah and i think for me i i really could not stand the matthew broderick character um (laughs) this this is perhaps personal bias because i don't know if i like matthew broderick that much as an actor i don't know if i've ever really seen a film with him that i've actually enjoyed that much even ferris bueller's day off like it, it's it's okay like i but i find him annoying in that movie he's um, kind I, of uh I, I find, I find him, him, him annoying in every single movie i've watched kind of except, for,
0: except for a, a except for ferris a 2011
1: Bueller. film called tower heist which is a modern film have you seen that movie i've not seen that oh no. it's a great movie it, it's uh, it's he plays alongside um Uh, the zoolander guy what's his name um uh ben stiller Stiller. yeah ben stiller and they they plan out and eddie murphy they plan out a heist to rob a building in manhattan and it's a hilarious Uh, movie yeah
0: it's it's really funny but that was the only movie i really liked him in i mean i have to say ferris bueller the character itself like i think he was written to be kind of a putz i do i don't know if you remember the movie it has marlon brando in it called the freshman Oh yeah, yeah, the freshman. I remember. You remember that? That, that yeah. was the yeah. movie that we tried to watch, and we, I think, we tried to tape it, and it didn't work. And then we, we, um, we were never able to see the end of it. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, I
0: remember. I vaguely. It's actually a pretty funny movie. It's yeah, fr- the the freshman's a fine movie. Yeah. And he plays the exact same. He kind of always plays the exact same character. If and Wait, I,
1: he's in that movie, The Freshman.
0: He is the main character. Yeah, he's the he's the NYU Wait. film student. Or Fordham University. I don't remember. I think it's NYU film student.
1: Oh, I'm I oh man, I totally forgot he was in that movie. My mind went to someone else in that movie.
0: No, that's him. Yeah. Oh my
1: God. You know, oh sorry. You know, I'm you know I'm getting confused. I got I just got the freshman confused with the graduate. Yeah, they're completely Uh-oh. different movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the freshman the graduate's a sixties movie. I was like, yeah. wait, wait, what are we talking about here? I have seen both. I have seen the freshman but I don't remember it very well. So this explains my confusion.
0: It's pretty funny. It's like a comedy slash crime. Yeah. Movie. And yeah, um, I
1: can, I, I, I definitely remember it, but he, I, I got them confused in
0: my head. He's almost the, the exact same character. And I don't know if that role was just sort of written with him in mind or whatever, the way he, he kind of talks to himself and everything like that. It's almost exactly the same. It's really, yeah. I almost thought it's like, why does this movie seem so familiar when I was watching Lady it? Why does it seems, this character seems so familiar? Yeah,
1: it's it's that Matthew
0: oh. Broderick character.
1: Yeah. He's, he's always the same guy. I mean, I I seem to remember liking Glory when I was a kid. Um he's in that movie also. And maybe Yeah, that was a slightly different role for him. Maybe that's a slightly different role, but I couldn't stand him in this movie. <laughs> um and uh the movie like was physically just making me want to go to sleep. Um, yeah. and I, I think that affected my enjoyment a lot, even though there, there are, you know, there are parts of the movie that I find interesting and the, the soundtrack is, is cool. Um, but yeah, I did I, I didn't like this one as much as I
0: hoped I might. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair. I, uh, I didn't mind the, the, the Matthew Broderick character, but I, I, I did think I expected to find him grading and I, I find him less. So I, I, I thought it was, they gave him a um, sort of like quasi again one of these quite like, quasi European accents that they do, but none oh, of the yeah, his accent
1: was terrible. Was,
0: none of the other characters had them, so I'm not really sure yeah. why he did that. So or they told him to do that, but um, that that also that also bothered me. I don't know. Maybe we just
1: watched so many of these in a row where it's like Americans doing strange faux European accents, but <laughs> you have uh, Matthew Broderick doing something with his accent that occasionally slips into I don't know like a New York accent and then you have Rutger Hauer sounding vaguely Dutch and then Michelle Pfeiffer not really doing anything and then you have some other people who uh just
0: sound British and the movie takes place in Italy (laughs) so yeah it's, it's one of those things it's another one of these films that was filmed it's like a I don't know a joint European project, and you know I think it was filmed in Italy. or it Yeah, maybe the, the story takes place in Italy, like yeah. referencing uh, an Italian city. And yeah, although the Matthew Broderick character Gaston has a has like a um, has a has a French name, so presumably he's. French, right? I imagine. Like I don't know. I Presum- guess. presumably yeah, uh, Philippe Gaston. I yeah. I I don't know. It's all confused. <laughs> it's like I feel like it's like when they do these things, it's kinda like it's like when Hollywood does Asian stuff, they throw in Japan, Korea,
1: yeah, China.
0: It's like, kind of like, you know. Yeah. I'll <laughs> say so. Well, I, I um one thing I did remember from this is I I remember the introduction a little bit which is reminds me of a james bond movie you know the james bond um movies that are very like um uh, they're kind of like surreal and they usually have a song uh, like like a, a, a mm-hmm. lyrical song being yeah. played mm-hmm. and then they have like the as the credits roll they have like swirling graphics or like you know some lady doing like flips or like random stuff it's like you know and the intro of this movie reminds me of the intro to a james bond movie it doesn't seem very like traditional fantasy, you know, but it is very like, it does, it does kind of, it does sort of fit, uh, it fit a a movie like a legend better than it did yeah. film, for some yeah. reason.
1: The, the score by Andrew Powell, I think it's, I think it's good. Like, I think the, the opening song is pulsing and it's got these cool synths. I don't think it fits the movie very well though. Yeah. Um, yeah because it's got some funky parts to it. It's got yeah. some weird bits, like like when Matthew Broderick's character is running around, it's got a funk bass that kicks in. Yeah. It just sounds completely out of order with what you see on screen, because this is not really a fantasy movie-like legend where there's bubbles floating everywhere and magical creatures, and it kind of feels like the Tangerine Dream soundtrack could be appropriate. Yeah. Um, this is more like, it's like, like Lionheart. Heart. This is like Lionheart. Like They go with a fairly gritty, realistic depiction of what was italy during i guess the 1300s yeah. and it doesn't it just i guess the movie was not really fantastical enough outside of the fact that it you know it's about like shapeshifting people right um it just wasn't really fastical, uh, fantastical enough to justify that surreal
0: synth soundtrack Right, right right, it wasn't like the never-ending story like it's just, yeah it wasn't like the never-ending story
1: it just it, yeah. it tries
0: to be historical i guess i don't know it,
1: it, it try yeah i mean the, like it, this sort of soundtrack i felt is is it's for a movie like the never-ending story
0: or legend or you know even like the black cauldron or something yeah. like that you know i guess what i wanted the well, maybe what i th- the the initial i guess impression i got of the film is that it wants to be a fairy tale because if you look at the story in a very superficial way it's it's you know you two sort of cursed lovers right they can they can't meet one turns into a wolf one turns into a hawk but they at different times so the wolf by night the hawk by day and they can never intersect right and st- so the story is how that curse gets broken i mean it's a pretty simple story if you think about it it's a cool concept so it doesn't necessarily have to be set in any particular historical place or time Mm -hmm. it could really be anything it could be even in modern times i mean it, it so even if if they wanted to do like just a traditional like european fairy tale just for shits and giggles you know do the whole medieval kind of thing uh, I still think they could do sort of the 80s synth thing, but just remove the references to things like the Crusades, remove the yeah. references to like, you know, the plague mm-hmm. uh, and other. Th- and there was a lot of God uh, in there, which um, a lot of religious stuff, which, uh, you know, ties it very specifically to something of this world. Right. Yeah yeah i it's a little bit jarring in that way because it, it sort of like wants to be one thing but then it comes off as a like quasi-historical and you are like yeah. No, 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 yeah
1: i would have i would have gone straight up fantasy i would have made it like legend take place in a fantastical place and and, and remove the real world references and just focus on the curse and and, and then i think it would have been easier for me to take in the fantastical soundtrack I, I i even think this concept would be cool for an animated movie um in in the vein of the black cauldron yeah and i, I just think, actually I just think for this gritty like kind of fairly um realistic depiction of medieval italy it didn't work for me The the, the music
0: yeah i was thinking as i was you know because the story actually seems like it could be a great um when you we've talked about like you know taking these fantasy movies and could they be DND dungeoned dungeon and dragonized I guess mm-hmm. you'd say like it seems like the sort of thing that could be like at least a side quest or something like that. One of these things that you would find maybe in like the Witcher or something like that. Or yeah, yeah this definitely. is this is this is a this is a scenario that happens because it's kind of like the beauty and the beast in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Except that both of them become beasts main character which i guess is like the matthew broderick character whose job is to kind of help you know um the the two lovers kind of like connect and uh you seem like if you were that character like your main character in the story could help you know uh facilitate that yeah i think it's a a cool concept really that'd be,
1: that'd be a cool concept um i think if i were redoing this movie i'd make it an animated movie in the same vein as you know the the don bluth films uh or the black cauldron and i would uh, huh. i would have uh i'd have it be you know fantastic visuals and i would i would make the the, the talking sidekick the matthew broderick character <laughs> you know that, that that's uh, what i would do yeah
0: yeah um yeah well this movie kind of has two sidekicks you know you have the matthew Broderick character and then you have the monk character the monk yeah yeah who shows up like sort of midway through the movie mm-hmm. It's another one of those films, you know, we talked about a couple of times where uh, the scope of it actually is fairly small. They don't, cool. actually, they don't actually go very far because uh, even though for some reason they always just stay in that location, like the animals, like the wolf and the uh, the hawk, they can in theory go anywhere because I guess the idea is that the when the... Um, when the main character, like the you know the the Rutcker Harrow character, the Michelle Pfeiffer character, when they become animals, they don't actually remember stuff from like the day before when they were humans. So they're just animals. so they they could I don't know. I mean, I guess presumably they have a home or something like that, but they could there's no reason for them necessarily to stay there. um so it it operates within a relatively small sphere in a relatively barren uh, landscape uh, that we've seen um with all yeah. these films. So, I mean, the um,
1: I, I think the way it starts is the Matthew Broderick character who's called uh, Philippe Gaston the Mouse. He's a thief. Yeah. He, bra- he breaks out of the dungeons in the uh, city of Aquila, which is in central Italy, and it's ruled by a corrupt bishop. Mm-hmm. And then you see him escaping, and then he runs into the Rutger Hauer character who, what's his name? I don't know. Yeah, Etienne, Etienne of Navarre, a former captain of the guard who fell in love with this woman named Isabeau, and then they were cursed by the uh, pre, uh, the, the bishop who didn't like their romance because he wanted the woman for himself, and then they, they were cursed into their respective forms. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the Etienne, he turns into a wolf, and then Isabeau turns into a hawk, and then they, they never meet. And so um, Philippe Gaston, Matthew Broderick, he runs into... Uh, Rutger Hauer's character on the outskirts of Aquila, mm-hmm. and they travel around for a little bit in the region and they just go back to Aquila. Like, I don't yeah. think it, it doesn't feel like they really went beyond, I don't know, you know, 20 miles or so. Um, yeah, and the beginning of the movie is just Matthew Broderick's character running around trying to escape the guards and that's when I started to get so annoyed because there's all these these instances of him talking to himself being like oh god I'm a pious man oh I just am pious when it comes to survival and taking things for myself and, and there's one point where he's talking to himself and there are two guards literally right above him And it feels like a lot of that dialogue was actually added after the fact. Like it feels like it was added in post production because maybe it was. There are all these wide shots of him wandering around, but he's constantly talking. He's constantly talking to himself. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't want to hear this guy. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, the um, there there's a uh, there's a funny scene. I think it's about seventeen minutes in. If you if you're watching it um where he for some odd reason he escapes from the prison uh, this is the Matthew Broderick character and then he decides to broadcast it like by everybody. yeah that like, also that like, also it didn't make me. any sense to me yeah. after he's like you know barely escaped right he talked about how difficult it was he had to steal all these things to get you know on his on his route to uh, freedom and now he's going to like just broadcast it that part didn't make a whole lot of sense, but there was a funny fight scene that came after that. Where he like throws his drink in a guy's face, and he goes rolling over the tables and under. Yeah, the
1: he he over. broadcasts it, and then a bunch of guards nearby chase after him, and that's when Rutger Howard's yeah. character saves him. And and I do think Rutger Howard's character, like his double crossbow, is probably one of the coolest things in the movie. There's a, there's a lot of good crossbow action in the movie. Like it is, yeah. yeah I, you don't see that that weapon used too much
0: in uh
1: fantasy films but it's used in to, to good effect here is that
0: like a thing uh, i mean is that like a uh because uh I, I don't know is that like a real thing double crossbow like that a it, double cross um, i've seen it i feel like i've seen it in video games um sure yeah i mean I wonder if it's based on this film
1: yeah i think there's i, I yeah i i think it yeah i don't know I feel like we
0: have to we might have to look that up
1: you know there's i'm I'm looking it up right now I, i'm seeing there's an excalibur twin strike crossbow uh going for two thousand dollars on Amazon, engineered to accurately fire two shots from a single crossbow at any distance, so I mean, yeah, I guess
0: because I remember seeing seeing that as a as a kid I was like uh, I was like, well, oh, that's this quick creative, you know you know you, you know you usually just get one shot he, he manages to get two yeah I think I think double crossbows do exist but i don't think they're uh that common yeah well i thought it was it was unique it wasn't one of those things like i kind of expected it to be kind of like his his thing like indiana jones has a whip and that kind of thing like but he uses it a couple of times then he like you know throws it aside and then goes goes for the the sword so the guard at the end of the movie just has him using the sword yeah 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 so it just it, it i I kind of wish they had made more use of it actually
1: yeah i think um I, I think another thing that um confused me a little bit is that but it's never it's never that clear exactly what what Philippe Gaston was was imprisoned for, and he doesn't seem to be a very good thief, honestly throughout much of the movie. Like he, he first of all broadcasts his his escape for everyone to hear, and you, we don't really see him like being that good of an expert thief. Like why this
0: kid? I don't know. Yeah, not really sure. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I'm supposed to suspend belief a little bit. I did, however. Okay, so there there are some stylish bits that I, I would say that I did like. I like the double crossbow thing. I wish it got more action. Uh, I like the uh, so both characters. Um, Wait, what's the Michelle Pfeiffer character? is Isabel, uh, it's, Isabel, it's Isabel and, oh yeah, and uh, Navarre. They have cool capes. They have these hooded capes mm.
1: that they
0: both wear at different times. So they both kind of um, maintain disguises, sort of when in their human form, or at least low profiles. And um, I liked the uh, whoever did the costume design on it. I think did a, did a nice job with that mm-hmm. with that sort of thing, the cape and hood action. Although I will say. I will say that uh with a lot of these uh with a lot of these fantasy films, you always have to suspend some some belief because everybody is like you know sort of clean shaven, and the women have like makeup on. Mm, and they look yeah. like their hair has just been like you know sprayed, or you know it doesn't look it Rocking doesn't eighties hairspray. Yeah, it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't mesh. Italy. Yeah, it doesn't mesh with the grittiness of the uh, of the environment. at least at least when it's you know like David Bowie in Labyrinth and he's got his crazy hair at
1: least it's justified by the fact that that's like a dream world this is supposed to be medieval Italy so once again the desire to root it in actual history I think works against Lady Hawk's
0: favor yeah it took me about half of the movie to figure out the 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 some some of the reasoning for why like you were talking about why is the Matthew Broderick character used for certain things and I finally figured out, and maybe this was obvious to other people, that the uh, at a certain point in the day, the Rucker, how character knows that he's going to turn into a wolf, he kind of figures that out, and so he knows he will not be able to do anything past a certain point. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna become a wolf. Mm. I think there was a scene where he, um, the lady hawk, gets shot, you know, with one of the crossbow bolts. Yeah instead of taking the i was like why don't you just take the hawk to get healed himself like he entrusts the hawk to um uh, Gaston, he says, like if you fail, I'll hunt you till the end of your your days. You know, it's like why don't you just do it yourself? Like you know where to go. Like why are you why are you yeah. Well, you that, that wasn't clear to me actually. I too was wondering that, but I did not make the connection.
1: So now it makes more sense. Yeah, he's going to transform to a wolf in like five minutes. So yeah, give it to the other guy. But yeah, I wish they said that. Like the whole actually, the whole shape shifting confused me a bit uh, in yeah. the very beginning because um, Gaston falls asleep um, and. Uh, uh, Rutger Howard's character vanishes, and then he sees right. uh, Lady Hawk for the first time. This woman, and it's weird. They're just like, "Hey, what's up?" They, they just like have a brief conversation in the night, yeah. and he's he's never like, "Well, who are you? Like, why are you here?" And then the next scene, he's back traveling with Rutger Howard, right. and they never talk about it. And then we see, know. and then we see another scene where um we see uh, Lady Hawk. You know, he runs into her again, and she helps free him from a tree that he's been tied to because Rutger Howard doesn't trust him, and. I couldn't They're figure like, out why he
0: was tied to a tree.
1: I actually didn't. know. Yeah, it's weird. It. And and then and then I sort of I started to put two and two together. I'm like, oh wait, like I bet the hawk transforms into yeah, her and yeah. there's something there. Um, but they never explain it. It's like he runs into this random woman twice, right. in, the, in the dead of night,
0: and it's just like, hey, what's up? You know,
1: just passing through. Yeah. Um.
0: There, there was a part with a, yeah. a trapper. You know, remember the wolf trapper guy mm-hmm. played by.
1: Alfred uh, Molina, who plays Doctor Octopus
0: in Spider Man, (laughs) the Spider Man movies. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's where this is a very early role um, for him. Yeah. Okay. Where else have I seen him? He looks familiar. He's in a couple things. He's in. uh, I don't know. Sounds familiar now. Yeah. Anyway, he. um, I don't know. He's he's sort of commissioned to uh, trap the wolf, and uh, so the. He traps A-Wolf and
1: then... Oh, he is the dude in the very beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark who betrays Indiana Jones in that dark oh. where Indy's trying to get the golden idol. Oh. He's like, throw it to me, throw it to me. And then Indy's like, throw me the whip. And he's like, oh, I won't give you the whip. And then he runs. Uh, that, that's him in the very beginning
0: of the uh, movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I I'd seen him before. Anyway, uh, yeah, there was, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the, the trapper guy. Yeah, so he um he ends up trapping a wolf. But at the same time, the uh, Isabeau character is, like, stalking him. So that part was really unclear. I was not really clear what her role was. Like, what, what exactly was she doing there? Because uh, she's, just, like, part damsel in distress, part sort of along for the, you know, part along for the ride, part, like, you know she she takes an active role at some point you know she's gonna she's sort of like watching out for the wolf um yeah i think she's kind of like protecting him. him yeah i think
1: she's i think she's um i like i think they both go I'm about confused. their i think they both go about their separate activities at night when they transform and i think over the course of time they they kind of learn to sort of watch each other's backs um Whoa. yeah okay. and so when he transforms into a wolf he does he takes on you know wolfish tendencies he might go out hunting um, he's not entirely in control of his mind and so she kind of watches him and observes him and keeps him safe and then when she's a hawk he he treats her like a trained hawk basically that that's what i
0: felt their connection was it's, it's not it's okay. not well
1: explained it's not i wish they had
0: kind of like they needed yeah. a scene i wish they I think they could have done that with like the Michelle Pfeiffer character as she's like watching him. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they could have, have done a short scene like where she talks about watching over him. I mean, they, they kind of like, uh, I guess they assumed you would figure it out, but it wasn't.
1: Yeah, they, they said that you'll clear. figure it out, but it's not clear at all. It's it's I
0: don't think it's communicated very well in the slightest. I think this is one of the reasons why I remember when I watched this movie as a kid, I was sort of confused. I mean, I remembered certain parts of it. Like the double crossbow and the black armor and blah blah blah, but i remember being a bit confused because there's a lot of back and forth and i was like what exactly is happening here i was pretty used to that as a kid because a lot of stuff didn't necessarily always make sense when you're a kid watching these movies yeah but, i uh, uh i mean
1: i i managed to piece this together as i was on the verge of falling asleep this entire okay. time i was like right. oh that's clever Fair. she is a she is a lady hawk literally and he's a wolf man sort of yeah 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 Yeah.
0: right okay oh you know one thing i i had a question of is that when they transform right they lose they, they take their clothes off before they transform right but how do they know to go back to find them what happens to their clothes That, I think, is one of the eternal
1: questions that haunts anyone trying to write a story involving shapeshifters. Does the Wolfman merely grow to stretch out his clothes? Or is he like the Hulk? Does he rip them apart and just have a little pair of purple pants that never Mm -hmm. seem to break? Yeah. Um, The uh, Twilight movies, which are about (laughs) which are about teenage vampires and werewolves, um all the werewolves there they they have little packs that they carry around their legs i believe that they put their clothes in oh uh, which is actually very forward thinking
0: that's, that's a good idea
1: yeah but um here it's just like uh, you see the lady hawk character wearing rags most of the time or over oversized potato dresses yeah <laughs> and, she just seems to find them randomly, and she just seems to slip into them conveniently when it's time to transform and slip
0: out of them, and that's how it goes. Right, and then, but the, which kind of makes sense because, that would you know you need to be able to, you're probably not going to always find them again, right? So you're going to mm-hmm. catch as catch can. But the Rucker Howard character, he's got like a whole get-up, you know, armor and everything like that. he yeah, I mean, I I and like and...
1: to imagine. He transforms into a wolf. I don't know. I I like to imagine every night before he transforms to a wolf, he has to strip down ass naked and then just be like, all right, here I am. And he looks up at the sun and then boom, he's a wolf. And then in the morning he wakes up to find his ass naked body next to his fancy black suit of armor and his double crossbone. He has to do it again. Yeah.
0: I mean, that that probably is like, you you would think like after a while you would get it down to a science. So you didn't, you didn't have to constantly replace your clothes. But there's this one scene where he's like running through the forest and he's like stripping down as he's running and then he turns into the wolf and is like, what happened to your clothes? You know, because it, I think it would actually be be cooler if they, if they could change the story so that the animals actually were still, still had like the ability to think as their human counterparts did, mm, but in animal yeah. ways, right? they still had the same i mean maybe that that was the intention but they had a line in there that they they just become animals and they have no like uh you know i don't know no idea what's going on i mean i i you know it's
1: unclear like it seems at some point that they have ideas of what's going on but at other points it seems like oh he's just a uh, he's just a wolf he attacks the matthew roderick character at one point cuz he falls into uh and he falls through an icy river and they're trying to rescue him and He's just not having it. He starts biting the, and clawing at uh, Matthew Broderick. Oh, I thought he was just like panicking because he was like drowning. Not too. I also saw it as like, "Who are you? I don't know. You get away from me. I I don't know. Maybe."
0: Oh, oh, yeah. well, that, I mean, it's I, not I, clear. It's it's it's, it's, it's not, not really clear. clear. I don't think it was communicated very well yeah. at all. because I mean, there's some because they, you know, I don't know how they did this, but they I mean they obviously had a trained hawk to do all those different yeah, things. Yeah, they had a they had you a know? trained hawk. and Um, and they had three wolves that were brought in
1: from uh from siberia or i think to to to, well they're siberian wolves but three or four wolves sorry who 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 all served in those shots well
0: i feel like they could have had i don't know i you know they if they're going to go through all that trouble to do it i i I feel like they could have had a couple of shots that kind of convey well i'm looking it up now they had two different hawks and and uh yeah. one of them
1: yeah. one of them only died recently in
0: twenty fourteen. Oh wow. I yeah. a lot of time I, mean, I think they could have had some animal way of showing kind of uh like maybe like affection or something that shows that they have some bond. Mm-hmm. And I think you could definitely do that with with both of those animals, right? You know, you certainly do that with a wolf. I mean you can certainly do that with a hawk. I mean, they have the ability to do that, mm-hmm. maybe less so with a wolf, but I don't know. I I think it would be cooler. Like, it would be cool if like I don't know maybe that uh, the because I'm not, I, I was unclear like what the bird like the hawk was really doing like the Rucker character would 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 carry the bird around, but was the I mean you don't really see the bird like hunting you don't see like the does does, does, does it serve as like a I don't I don't I don't know I, I just I got the impression it was just sort of like um uh if he knew that that was uh isabeau like you would think i don't know he would be more protective he just kind of lets it fly wherever do you know what i mean
1: yeah (laughs) which is why i think certain aspects of the film putting aside the slowness and um the quippiness of philippe gaston um Certain aspects of the film just didn't gel with me very well because I felt like this core interplay of the curse and the relationship between the animals was a little underbaked, um, and I really felt it could have been kind of expo- expounded upon a little bit more. Like you said, show us that connection between the animals. Show us. Uh, th- there's one moment where you know they're they're together yeah, at the right. same time and they nice see scene, each right? other. That was yeah. a nice moment. Like, I think maybe show us more of those. Show us the tender moment that they finally might be able to have in the morning. Um, presumably they can actually talk to each other in those few few moments right, when the right, sun right. goes down. But they don't. They just look at each other, and then she turns into a hawk, and then Rutger Hauer lets out a wolf roar. So maybe uh, does he still? Is he still not fully back as a human yet?
0: I don't know. Like, well, uh, what, what, I, what I what I what I didn't understand about that is like they've been presumably doing this for a number of years. Have they not figured out that if yeah they, that if they could just be at the same place um, be at the
1: same place at the same time and um you have what maybe like a couple seconds but yeah maybe a couple seconds you can can leave messages it's it's, it's never clear Yeah, it's never clear how long they have like i I think it's meant to be in that in that liminal space between dusk and dawn that they can finally inhabit the same uh they can both be humans basically that, that, that could last like i don't know a couple minutes i think so they could
0: Talk with or, each other. I was or thinking at least a like, few seconds. They, they could talk with each other. They could leave messages. They could, right? Like, even if you couldn't, like, read or write because maybe they couldn't actually do that, like, you could have somebody else leave a message for the other person. I mean, a verbal one to get, I don't know. I, I figure you could f- figure out something over if you had years to do this. I yeah, like if you had years, years to do, and do this, and it's supposed to be years, I think, or at least,
1: yeah, I got the a, impression a decent, a decent that
0: amount of time. It was years. The yeah. other thing I, I also didn't understand was that um, the Matthew Broderick character serves as this go-between between them. But it seems like, you know, the the Rutger Arrow characters say, what did she say? What did she say? Well, she was, you know, Isabel was with you as a human. And he seems. I don't know, was he making up that stuff that she was saying? Because they don't actually, in the times when, um, I don't know, Matthew Broderick is talking to Rucker Hauer. They don't Mm -hmm. really seem to have any substantial conversations about, you know, his love life. He was like, all right, hey, uh, hey, Matt or not Matt, uh, uh, Philippe. Let's sit down. Let's let's have some ale. Let me tell you my woes. You don't really have that kind of they thing. They never have any of that. Uh, and then the, the flip side of it is that when he is with Isabel, they don't do that either. So yeah. did he make up all that stuff? I got the impression that he was sort of like, almost like helping them reconnect by being like the, um, what's that, what's that? uh book sereno de bergerac or something like that where oh yeah yeah Where you know, he's the kind guy, of like the guy with the yeah the guy with the big nose is, yeah is helping but, but to he
1: communicate yeah
0: yeah exactly w- w- was that sort of what it was supposed to be like you have two people that are kind of like uh they can't like find the words because they don't you know they spend half their life as animals and then you know i need I somebody know, else to do it yeah
1: yeah. yeah i guess it's but it's not it's not communicated and honestly i don't think they thought it through that deeply i think it's just like Slapping, slapping a cool concept onto the screen, and then not really. I mean, what are the limitations of the curse? What, are you, what I, there's a way to break it. You know, uh, have them. What's the way to break it? I didn't it, understand actually? it. I didn't. I mean, it, it was like
0: an eclipse, right? so It was an yeah. eclipse, and then so that yeah, yeah, yeah. That... they have
1: to they have to face the bishop together as humans. On a day without a night and a night without a day. So it's an eclipse. Yeah. Um, and I actually would have missed the, the fact that it was an eclipse because I was falling asleep by the end of the film. And I only know it was an eclipse because I read on Wikipedia that this movie has an eclipse in it. And so when, it didn't really show the eclipse. It didn't really show. It didn't yeah. really show. So in, in at the very end of the movie, when I was struggling to stay awake, and I was my, my head was doing that thing where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, bombing uh, back and forth. You're like, oh <laughs> and then at one point they showed like a shot of the sky, and I was like, ha ha, eclipse. There we go. <laughs> um and, and then they break the they break the curse. Yeah. In this in this massive duel with the bishop. Yeah. Um okay. I mean that's that's fair enough. I think that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. But but I, <laughs> for a movie about a love story between two folks that can transform into animals and are cursed to never be together during their waking hours it is surprisingly uninteresting what they decide to do with the actual scenes involving the curse
0: yeah i didn't understand i well, i didn't understand it but it didn't um it was kind of like uh a bit half baked because right they show up they have the fight scene then the michelle pfeiffer character also pops back and there was a lot of uh what's the name of that um deus ex machina yes there's a lot of that in this movie yeah a lot of that yeah we're like just in the nick of time like there's one where she's falling from a from a castle parapet or something and then at that moment she happens to turn into a hawk and can doesn't die you know because she can't fly as a human and then there's times when you know, he Rucker Hour will save, save Matthew Broderick by shooting him with his double crossbow, so or shooting a guard or whatever. So, yeah, there's a fair amount of lost you for a second. You okay? You. Yeah.
1: Oh man, it, the, the transformation sequence in this movie was so wonderful that it knocked out your internet.
0: Yeah. Well, it got the Amish internet going. Yeah. Yeah. I, or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about Dave Sex Machina. Yeah, and, and the scene where she falls from a cliff and
1: transforms into her Ladyhawk form. Yeah. yeah. Which it is, is, is a, <laughs> it's pretty funny how, how they do the transformation sequence because they can't actually, you know, they don't have the tech to actually show it. So it's like zooming in on her eyes, lots of slow mo. Um
0: I thought that was fair because like yeah, you know, it it's you fair, really, it's okay. They didn't really uh they didn't go to the CGI uh kind of route. And I guess they could have maybe I I mean, they didn't really have that much back in 1980 yeah I, 1985 uh they probably could have uh because there were some films that did have some early cgi but i mean i think that, that that was okay i just wish it was a little bit more um it wasn't quite as convenient i guess we say yeah. for something that happens every day well yeah well twice yeah, every day, right? I mean, it's it, it. Do you think that these guys would sort of get it down by now? Maybe not. No, I will say, Jeremy, there are a couple epic knife throws and sword throws in this, which are yes, Rutger Howard chucks
1: a, like a broadsword, like twice. a throwing dagger twice, and that is very
0: hard to do. I don't know, is it possible? I mean, I guess it's possible, but oh, the sword, a, yeah um well there's one that there's one where he throws a knife
1: and he is one one where he throws a knife but is it possible to chuck a broadsword like that so that it impales someone i mean i guess it is but
0: yeah 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 it's not easy he he,
1: he throws it so easily like it's like it's like a tiny throwing dagger it's a big ass i think did sword and he just actually
0: well um yeah so it's kind of like, do you remember in uh Lionheart they did the same thing, yeah throw the thing. yeah, actually, to be honest with you, it actually is sort of easier to throw those big things like really? that, um you can throw it like a spear where you just oh uh, i I guess that makes sense, yeah, where you can throw it so so it does a quarter turn, and mm-hmm. then because it's so big, it travels very slowly, and mm. so it's actually not necessarily that.
1: Hard. okay yeah that makes sense you're you're more experienced with but, weapons than um, i am it just it just struck me as funny because he's just chucking <laughs> stuff left and right yeah and, I it
0: was like well that that's how he ends up killing the uh that's how he ends up killing the bishop, uh, the bishop. he just yeah. throws the, <laughs> throws that broadsword right through right right through the uh like the altar or whatever it is the um the whole fight
1: <laughs> scene at the end between him and the bishop's right hand man it also just goes on forever. Like it's not a bad fight, but it just goes on for a, long time. a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's like it finally ends where the bishop's guy tries to stab him on the ground. There's this excessive slow-mo of him yeah. rolling out of the way and then doubling back on the blade and like thrusting it up in the into the guy. Um that just goes on for so long.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to say I like the fight scenes in Lionheart a lot better. I did in yes. this one. I did too. And I don't know, <sighs> I think,
1: I yeah, know. I, I, were, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I think it's because Lionheart, despite its flaws
0: was to me slightly a, of a better movie than this. I think, I think they were, uh, they were not as drawn out. Cause I don't think they really, I mean, this was more like a, if, if, um, you know how, like in martial arts movies, the fights are like, you know, they're, they're that's the whole thing. They get drawn out really long and they're, you know, it's kind of like that. I think they were trying to do the whole swashbuckling, swordplay kind of thing with this one, where they clank swords back and forth, and mm-hmm. you know, make it seem like oh, we're going to do knights. Let's do knights. You know, yeah, clink, 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 and yeah,
1: yeah. But if you go back and watch a lot of old swashbuckling movies, the fencing and the swordplay in there is pretty good, and it's pretty fast paced and snippy. That's not what we have here. What we have here is like a long drawn out fight in the corridor um yeah well they're using things, like, things big, forever. Big, yeah they're, they're using big stuff but it's yeah yeah I, this is why i think they should have stuck with range weapons i would have liked to see um more of that double crossbow yeah i would have liked to see some sort of cool cover shooter like moments in the cathedral where where it's just roger howard with his with his gun bow versus all the other guys with their crossbows
0: well i thought they were going to do it because there's one scene where um the Matthew Broderick character is trying to cock the crossbow, right. And he mm-hmm. has difficulty doing it. Yeah. And I thought, I thought they, they could have done some fun stuff with that and Absolutely. figured out some they cool stuff. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you noticed, but the, uh, um, in his, and his horse and the black horse he carries, he rides, the one mm-hmm. that goes prancing along that war horse, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, he has a quiver of bolts there right there. He has, he so he's got a bunch of them, you know, do some cool reloads. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know, you know, like uh gunslinger style reloads or something with that thing. I don't know. I'm sure they could figure out some stuff like that. So I would that's what I would like to see. That's what that's what I would have done too.
1: I think I in terms of there. uh yeah, I think I think in terms of talking about like you know, with all these fantasy movies that we watch, we're kinda like, oh, you know, would this be a cool D game? Um I think Rutger Hauer's character of god what is his name i keep forgetting etienne etienne no, yeah etienne i think he he's he's like a ranger with an animal companion yeah you know that's his yeah. you know his his trained hawk and he's got it you he relies upon a crossbow lean yeah. into that i think that's what i would do
0: yeah um,
1: but unfortunately they do not lean into it and we have we have lady hawk as it is now kind of a uh, a movie that i i i i thought i would like more and i'm a bit disappointed that it put me to sleep.
0: Yeah, well, where would you put this on the uh on the scale if uh of the ones we've watched so far, you know, we have like we have like campy like red sonia, we have historical like mm-hmm. lion Uh we have like way out there like, you know, legend. I don't know. This one kind of felt like to me like there's like little bits of comedy, little bits, little bits of history, little bits of fantasy. Kind of like it. It, I think it tries to be a, a number of different things. It, to me, it felt like it was trying to be like a fan, family film. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it might have been a little bit better if it tried to be less mainstream.
1: Maybe. I think I would probably rate it pretty low amongst all the other movies we've watched. Like I, I think it's possibly better than Mazes and Monsters, but then again, I I find Mazes and Monsters to be. More fun to criticize because there's more in there about you know the history of role playing games that I find a bit more intriguing, and maybe put it above that. Um, but probably below Lionheart, which is similar in many aspects, but I think does a bit of a better job with the historical setting. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I would rate it pretty low, and I didn't think I was going to put it there because I do like the music, and once again, I was reminded of this movie after learning about a musician who has taken the name lady hawk so i yeah. thought it would be pretty high i thought it would be like oh this might be like a cult classic but unfortunately for me it fell flat in a lot of a lot of different areas um yeah yeah it, most of the others we watched i like more like i, I like red sonia to a certain extent i thought it yeah. was more entertaining than this film yeah. um same with uh i don't know what what are the others we watched black cauldron. Same, same with black cauldron same with uh, high, i liked highlander black um yeah highlander, yeah
0: so, yeah, uh, yeah. I I think for for me it 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 feels like you know somewhere in the middle. Like you know, like a I I enjoyed it. I would say it oh. felt like a it felt like about a six. So.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's maybe a five or even a four for me. Yeah. Um. But right. I was curious the uh, the whole idea of um, two lovers who cannot really meet each other, and you know he he's always turning into a wolf, and she's always kind of this cloaked. Um, woman of the night who who just observes him from afar or a hawk it actually reminded me of your short story uh shadow shadow of the moonlight a little bit yeah i, I don't know if this was an influence but shadow of the moonlight story about a, a, a ranger who was cursed to only exist in darkness and then he falls in love with a young woman but he can't actually interact with her because he can't actually exist during the day
0: so i, I wonder if that was a subconscious
1: huh. influence at all no that's a
0: good point i don't I wonder if I had seen it by that point. Uh, I must. Well, yeah, I mean, I I wrote that story when I was in 11th grade, so I probably I probably had, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't remember very much of it. So who knows? Maybe I was, you know, the I got um, the influence for that story was we were supposed to write a gothic romance or a gothic tale Mm, mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. um i had read a bunch of gothic romance books that mom had uh enjoyed when she Mm -hmm. was i think first came to this country and was you know practicing english and everything like that there's a whole bunch of them it's an author a pseudonym uh for a actually a male male author madeline brent madeline brent so there's a Mm -hmm. bunch of madeline brent stories uh their novels historical novels that are gothic in nature they all star or like you know there's like a lead female protagonist and um it's meant i think for a female audience which is why the protagonist is female and the, the name of the author is female and they're all really good uh i think they're mostly out of print but you can find them like ebay and amazon maybe uh and that's where i got the inspiration for that interesting I so i don't think it was lady hawk but who knows maybe you know somewhere in the ether uh i took some inspiration from it usually i have a some sense of like i have some memory of of some of those influences occasionally i'm surprised but you know nothing is really new right so Mm -hmm. not like it's like my ideas were particularly original it's like these things were particularly original they pull from like similar you know fairy tale kind of themes and so I think uh, I think in that sense it's it's in that sense I think that sort of stuff is a bit timeless and I I think that's probably what they were trying to go for. Let's create a modern fa- fairy tale. I don't know if this book was a novel or something like that. It feels like it could have been a novel. Was it feels it? could have been a novel, but I don't believe it was. No. Yeah. Was it? Far, Are you aware as of as any fairy tales that have this story? I mean, I feel like there's got to be some, right? I can think of some. There's there's plenty of fairy tales where someone gets bewitched and turned into an animal. And yeah,
1: they're... and I think that might have been um, the well, idea some... that served as the basis for this. But yeah, I don't know of any fairy tales off the
0: top of my head that specifically features yeah. a plot. I mean, there's like Swan Lake, you know, that's the, there's a, uh, there's the one with, what's the name of that, where, um, well, I mean, there's Beauty and the Beast, of course, and. There's another one. I whose name I can't remember. Where a young woman has to save her brothers that turn into like swans or something like that.
1: Uh, is
0: uh, that called?
1: Isn't there um, East of the Sun, West of the Moon, or what's it called?
0: Oh well, that one they turn into animals in that one.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't remember if they turn into animals, but um, I think so. But yeah, I, think I mean, there's talking animals in in,
0: in yeah, that particular sure. in that particular legend. Yeah, eh, I mean, I th- I think. Well, that's another idea. Is like, if you're going to go the fairy tale route, like, you know, why not make the the the, the hawk and the uh, the wolf talking?
1: Why not? There's a lot of things they could have done, but they decided to do none of those. Yeah, they did, however, make a conscious decision to put some funky eighty synths in there. Yeah. And also they, to have they, a very weird did. synthy sound effect whenever Matthew Broderick falls. It happens a oh. couple of times. There's like a synthy, like an oscillating synth. It's
0: like whenever he falls. Yeah. And it, it annoyed me. <laughs> I didn't get <Yeah>. like this. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's safe to say that not, not one of your favorites. Um, are you glad you watched it?
1: I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. I. I do, I do like the soundtrack. I, I, did, I was listening to it as we talked, and I do think it's worth, um, worth a watch if you really are patient and really like some of the actors and actresses involved mm-hmm. um, and, and are sort of like us on a mission to watch every six out of 10 1980s fantasy <laughs> movie that was ever made. Yeah, then I think, I think you should watch it. But or if, you lo- or if you like the singer Lady Hawk and want to know where her um, namesake came from
0: yeah gotcha well uh on that note uh i think we will wrap up for today this is this was a little bit hard for me to find the movie i think you can find it it's not on i don't think it's on any particular streaming service um you'll see a link yeah, i i rented it from amazon yeah, prime you rent it, yeah yeah uh or or purchase a copy jeremy where can folks find you People can, find,
1: uh, people can find me on the internets, the wide, Internet, uh, the wide world, the world wide web um, at Twitter, at Pixel Grottle which is kind of the, 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 the main Twitter account that I'm using these days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, find me there. Find all my writings about video games, about role-playing games, and about comic books by stalking me there and clicking on
0: my portfolio. Okay, well you see a link to that in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back in the future with another 80s fantasy movie. There's quite a few more to do. Yes, sir. Them out. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a few last things. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find many more like it on the show's website, 13thhr.wordpress.com, as well as on numerous other podcasting platforms like iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. There's often additional material on various places on social media as well, like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find links to all these platforms in the show notes for this episode. Sometimes people will ask me, how can they help contribute to the show or other things that I do? And you can, of course, uh, leave a tip over at coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash one three th h r which is basically like a virtual tip jar you can see a link to that in the show notes but there's a lot of stuff that you can do just that's just for free and stuff that you may be already doing anyway and so if you have ideas or suggestions you know email me my email address is w-r-i-t-e-j-o-s-h-u-a-b-l-u-m at gmail.com also don't forget subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you currently prefer and share it with your friends leave a review uh listen to music on bandcamp spotify you know i hope by conveying some of the creative process on this show You'll also be inspired to do creative things and follow your own dreams and do whatever it is that brings meaning to your own life. The world really is what you make of it, and at the end of the day, that's what the 13th Hour is about. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.